Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Sarah. And that's Kayla. And today we're talking all the different variations or alternatives of traditional IVF. And there are many. There's so many. Yeah. I thought I knew all of them, but I did not. Well, there's some new ones. Yeah. It's constantly changing. Gotta love technology. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but before we do that, we just have a few pretty minor business items. Well, it's worth mentioning one more time, but we have a new linked Facebook group um, called the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies for people that are pregnant or have kids or they're trying again. Um, So if you're not part of that group and you want to be, it's open to anyone that's in the Infertile Mafia Facebook group. They're both closed um, and they're great places to further the conversation from this podcast. Go over there and get some support. So if you're not in those Facebook groups, feel free to join. And you can join the bosses and babies one, even if you aren't pregnant, but if you want to see all the talk about pregnancy and stuff, you're welcome. Right. It's not exclusive. If pregnancy talk doesn't bother you, go for it. And if it does, better stay out of there. Probably not the best choice. Which is why they're separate. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Separate but equal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wait, yes. what's that from? Uh, <laughs> Sarah. We're segregating the infertility community. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's what you guys want. Yeah, you know what we mean. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, so uh, if you like this podcast, (laughs) uh, go on iTunes and rate it and give it a review and, you know, share it with your friends. Share it publicly. Share it privately. Do whatever you want. Yeah, do whatever you want, but share it. (laughs) It takes how, like, literally two seconds to go click on a rating. No yeah. skin off your back. So or if you be... want to write one, it might take a little bit more time, but... It might take, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. Which we get, like, I get it. You don't have to do that, but it would be... It helps us get the word out about the podcast. It's the best way for us to share it so other people can find it. So we can only share it so much. I'm sure people are sick of us talking about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Last night I like I had a breakdown. Oh no. What happened? My brother he I don't know. He made it sound like doing the podcast was just this silly thing I do. What? He okay. It sounds like a big brothery <laughs> thing kind kind of thing to say. He's mad because our mom is watching Bjorn while we record. Uh-huh. And he wants her to be working at the office to help him. Oh. This sounds like we're children. <laughs> Which you are. I mean. But I booked her services first so he can <laughs> suck it. I think it's great that your mom and dad are so supportive of what you're doing. Your brother's just being an annoying brother. Yeah. Yeah. So and then he felt bad after I started crying. I was like, oh, he's no. like, he's like, 
I'm sorry I made you cry. I'm like, that's not an apology. (laughs) Yeah. You should never make a pregnant woman cry. It's like one of the most uncomfortable things to witness. I was not trying to cry in front of people, but I was leaving the office and I had to. I could have done an Irish goodbye, I guess. Just walked out. It's where you walk out without saying anything. Oh. You just leave. I feel like I should know that. But I don't. Yeah. I feel like you would be really good at the Irish goodbye. I would be awkward. <laughs> I've done it before. Because I have to fill the silence. <laughs> and you can live much more comfortably in the silence than I can. <laughs> yeah. Just ignore your brother. He's just mad. He, yeah. he knows deep down that this is a good thing that you're doing, Sarah. <laughs> Like, people like it, okay? (laughs) And people we don't know listen to it. It's not just people we know. (laughs) Yeah, so if you you also like it, go to iTunes and give us a rating or a review. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We just have a couple of corrections. Well, just one correction and one addition. Our friend at Infertility Illustrated has changed her name on Instagram. So I thought I would just make sure everybody knows that she dropped the underscore. (laughs) So she's just at Infertility Illustrated. And if you have not seen her account, please go check it out. It's really fun. She's the artist formerly known as Infertility underscore Illustrated. Correct. Now (laughs) her name is Streamline. She dropped the underscore. Yeah. Infertility Illustrated. She's like... Prince when he dropped the he just was a symbol when I wonder how that name. worked worked out for him in terms of marketing to just be a symbol maybe it was like IHOB who? IHOB it was just all a stunt IHOP said they were changing their name to IHOB oh and everyone's like what? why would you do that? International House of Burgers Burgers? yeah it was a stunt <laughs> Did it go over well? Well, people were mad. I was mad. But they did it? Yeah, they I did hop- the stunt? Yes. IHOP was like, we're changing our name and we're doing burgers. Oh, it was just a joke, like a publicity joke. Yes. But people probably fell for it. Well, I was like, this can't be real, but I guess it is. So it, it's like... It's a, a stunt to get people to come. Oh, I got to go while they still serve pancakes. That kind of I thing. I think it was a stunt to promote their burgers. <laughs> well, nobody goes to IHOP to eat a burger. Let me That's tell them something that they've probably paid millions of dollars for a marketing firm to tell them. Nobody's coming to your establishment for a burger. Maybe it got stories written about it. and I'm sure it did. It was so. probably kind of brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, um, and our correction is real quick. I knew she would correct us quickly, Sarah. Brett. She always does. And she did. She's on it. She Which is, we appreciate Yeah. being corrected. She's a, she's very responsible. We have so many responsible people in the mafia, and we are not two of them. So No. no. <laughs> uh we talked about her. Dr. Vale, her Dr. Vale, 
Um, one of the fertility doctors that she saw, and I think I said it was her endo doctor. We weren't sure. It's actually her septum doctor, which I think is worth mentioning because she has talked about how much she said he's the best thing that happened to her fertility journey. And, and the septum is inside of your uterus. It's like a growth thing, growth that comes down in the middle. You yeah, have to get I mean, it right. Out. There's different types of septums, but it's not supposed to be there. We're not supposed to have septums in our uterus. So I just thought if anyone's listening that knows that they have a septum or they have not been happy with their treatment for any kind of septum, that he might be someone to look into because i know do you remember where he's located he's in florida okay bonita springs florida Florida. new york sorry i was talking over you what did you say no i was just gonna say i'm not i don't know where she's from but i know she had to travel to see him and she said it was totally worth it i know where she's from oh (laughs) got insider (laughs) information (laughs) i feel like you know where she's from maybe i do and i've just forgotten She's from the middle. Somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So I think that's all of our business items. We spent way too much time talking about IHOP. Is anyone hungry for pancakes? Not right Uh. now, but maybe later. (laughs) So let's move on to alternatives or variations to traditional IVF. (coughs) So... As a reminder, traditional IVF is, well, the steps go. Down regulation, stimulation to your ovaries to get lots of eggs, egg retrieval surgery, and then the semen sample. And then they fertilize those eggs with the semen sample in the lab with, uh, oh, yeah, in the lab. And then they do an embryo transfer. Right. That's traditional IVF, which we yeah. just talked about in episode 25, IVF My Life. That's the way it's done most of the time. And then there's all these add-ons that we'll be talking about in the future, so we're not going to get into them right now. But these would be like, these are considered like in excess a la to- carte. A la carte, there you go, to the Services. traditional IVF. And those would be things like ICSI, which is intracytoplasmic sperm injection, where they put the sperm inside the egg. I'm glad Um, you know what that stands for. (laughs) It's easier to just say ICSI. Even FETs are considered an add-on because in a traditional IVF, you typically would do a fresh transfer. And an FET requires... um, freezing in the lab uh so it's just it it really is an add-on to traditional ivf um pgs and pgd testing which are the you know embryonic testing of the embryos embryonic testing of the embryos yes (laughs) genetic testing of the embryos things like assisted hatching embryo glue endometrial scratching doesn't that one sound fun I do not know what embryo glue is. We're going to find out. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, egg activation, which we have talked about. We didn't call it that, like a shot of B12 for the embryo. Oh, the mitochondria uh-huh. thing. Um, right. 
And even immune therapy, which is like what I did. So all of these things are like considered add-ons to your traditional IVF. Um, and then before we move on, I thought this was an interesting perspective from the other side of things. So this came from a website called the Center for Human Reproduction or Center for Human Reprod.com. And they just gave a this is not my opinion. This is not Sarah's opinion. I'm just reading from this website and I thought it was How do you interesting. Know it this might isn't be your my opinion. opinion. It might be. <laughs> so they kind of had a slant about like cautioning people to be careful about all these add-ons. Oh, so, that's not my opinion. <laughs> and they said, what makes add-ons a moral issue is that subconsciously or consciously, their utilization is often no longer guided by honest attempts to improve IVF outcomes, but by financial necessity as revenues generated through add-ons are becoming an economic lifeline for IVF centers. With third-party reimbursements for IVF over the last decade declining in the U.S., many IVF centers derive 30 to 40% of their revenue from add-ons like PGS testing, since those are often not covered by third-party insurance. So, and then the last thing, so it says, how far some IVF centers are taking this is best demonstrated by some centers now simply refusing to perform IVF cycles at all unless patients consent to the addition of PGS to their cycles. Uh, I don't know about that. One man's perspective. Well, I would be cautious of any clinic that was like, no, you have to do genetic testing. That would make That's me... the way the industry is moving, though. Yeah, but why? Because it's becoming cheaper and you have better outcomes. Maybe. I'm not saying I, I agree mean, with it. Statistically, I just think it's an interesting perspective to explore. Statistically, you have a better outcome of putting a PGS normal uh, result embryo in like transferring one of those versus a non-tested embryo. True, but it costs you, the patient, a lot more money. Yeah. So there's that. But it's becoming cheaper to do the testing. Yeah, I just think it's like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying I agree. I just think it's an interesting perspective and something I didn't do like, the testing. I didn't either. I'm just, there's, I'm always skeptical about everything. <laughs> like some might even say cynical. So I just think it's something like good to keep in mind. Like, and genetic testing is different than some of the other things I just listed, like embryo glue and assisted hatching. And um, they did that for my frozen embryo transfer. I didn't know. Yeah, they did that for mine too. And I didn't know until I saw the bill and saw that it was an add on. Like, it oh, had its own I, itemized line for how much assisted hatching costs. Oh, ours, I think, was included in the frozen embryo transfer. They do it for everyone. Well, that's good. If you if it's just like part of the package or whatever. So I was like, why? It's coming out of its shell? What's going on here? <laughs> right. I just think, listen, I, I would not put it past, if that's really true, that 30 for 
30 to 40% of revenue comes from add-ons, then the cynic in me is like, well, then of course they're going to push add-ons. Even if they do give you a better outcome. But I just think you like use your own judgment and as to whether or not they're really going to be like a good choice for you. Are you going to be unhappy that you did the add-on? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I also thought, sorry, this is the last thing I'll say and we can move on. I think what they're implying in this article is that now that fertility treatments are becoming covered more and more by insurance, but the reimbursement rates are much lower. So traditionally in the past when they weren't covered, essentially an it was run by the free market. Like they could price it at whatever people essentially will pay. Now that treatments hmm. are being covered by insurance, now they dictate how much a doctor gets for an IVF cycle, for example. So it's probably less than what they were getting in the 90s and early 2000s. And so again, now it's like, well, how else can we make up revenue? add-ons they have to keep going you know yeah it's just i don't know i think it's interesting insurance basically the moral of the story is insurance screws everything up even for the people who aren't paying with insurance right yeah which is a lot of us is it's the classic if you're only gonna pay me if you're only gonna pay me 80 percent of what i charge then i'm gonna charge 20 percent more than i used to and then you're right. People like you and me get screwed that don't have insurance. <sighs> oh. Insurance. It's a black hole of nothingness that sucks you into despair. <laughs> it does. Except that you need it. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Usually. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sorry for so, that tangent. Anyway. <laughs> So why would one, why one would do non-traditional IVF finances? Because like, maybe they don't have insurance. <laughs> yeah, or insurance that covers it. Uh, many of the options are less expensive. If you're at risk for OHSS, which is ovarian hyperstimulation, which is when your ovaries produce too much estrogen and then it makes you sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dangerous overreaction to fertility drugs. If you're a cancer patient and the fertility drugs would affect your treatment, for example, breast cancer patients may be unable to take certain drugs that would increase their oestrogen levels. Is that how you say that? It's just another way to spell estrogen. <laughs> yeah. It's just estrogen. Whatever. You may also hold religious beliefs, which mean you don't want any leftover eggs or embryos to destroy or be frozen. Yeah. So all, yeah. Of, all of these are like outliers, except finances. I feel like more people would fall into the category of like, I can't afford traditional IVF, but it is available for those other situations. Like, I didn't know that cancer patients like the fertility drugs are contraindicated because of estrogen levels. So I'm glad that there are options for them. I just figured that they wouldn't be able to do 
fertility treatments. Right. I just saw a Criminal Minds episode. Uh-huh. Did you see that one? I don't know. Where the... Uh, it's kind of a long story, but people <laughs> were locking young girls in the basement and forcing them to get pregnant. Oh, yes. I did see that. Because yeah, she the, had cancer. Yeah. And so she had access to drugs. Anyway, she yeah. was She was giving them their her drugs. Yes. Mae Whitman was in that episode. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, of course, obviously, like, I have met more than one person now that I've been out about my infertility who were like, I don't think I could do IVF because I don't, I wouldn't want to have leftover embryos. And so some of these would be a good option for people that hold that belief. Were you like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get the moral dilemma. I obviously didn't choose that path, but yeah, I understand why pe- some people would. Were you like, are you judging me right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully, we've talked about it. I didn't have to make that decision. It was made for me. Yeah. Because I transferred all my embryos. But if I had frozen ones left, it would be a very hard choice at this point. So I get it. Um, yeah. Even even with that, though, I still would do traditional IVF. Why? Because and that's what we're getting into, the pros and cons. Um, yes. So the, your best candidate for a, a non-traditional IVF cycle are people that are young with somewhat minimal fertility issues um basically you know healthy (laughs) and so i know this looks this these two the next two it's like what so i read over and over again if you have really really good ovarian reserve like even some women with pcos you might also be a good candidate because you won't need a lot of stems right to get more like yeah, you don't need a lot of stems. You don't need as many stems, in theory. Yeah. I know that's not always true. So Depends. Or, on the flip side of that, if you're an older patient or you have, like, diminished ovarian reserve or, not, or you're not responsive to stimulation, that would be another... <laughs> Sarah's so like, how what? does that work? Well, I think it's... So, this is what I read. The reason this person is a good candidate for it is because they'd be wasting... They'd be throwing money away on the fertility drugs anyway. So, in other words, like, I could pump myself full of Folistim, but it's not going to do anything. Or it's not really going to create a bunch of follicles, so I might as well just work with what I have, is kind of the thought. Okay. You so, see what it's I mean? not talking like egg donation no like i think it's just it's kind of like you're not going to be a good candidate for traditional ivf so why spend all this money on like let's just try it this way kind of thing like i don't think we're going to get a better result in terms of like egg production if we use if we do the traditional stimming so just go in there and grab one grab what you well Maybe. That depends right. on what what you try to do. So, obviously, we talked about this a little bit, but 
pros of these options are that they're cheaper. There's less side effects, obviously, because you're not taking as many drugs. And there's no surgery. So, in theory, it's safer. It, Wait, with, there's no surgery? With some of them. Okay. Um, or there's less surgery. <laughs> they all but have egg retrieval. Some of them, there's some sur- there's more surgery. Correct. Correct. This is just generally speaking. The biggest cons, obviously, they're much less effective than traditional IVF. So there's that. <laughs> well, and success rates and statistics are not understood because they're done rarely. So most doctors don't do these things. Right. Most of them are not. Some still offer them, but it just doesn't get done that much. So I put these in order of like the ones that are done the least often and the least successful to the most successful. We could end on a Mm. more positive note. So what's the first one, Sarah? GIF. (laughs) Gamut (laughs) intrafallopian transfer. So putting the embryo... In the fallopian tubes, right? Or is this putting... Okay, no, no, no. It's the That's egg and not the sperm. what this is. This is putting the sperm in the fallopian tubes. With the eggs. In the, yeah. The mother undergoes a laparoscopic procedure to harvest her eggs. And then a small incision is made near the woman's navel. And her eggs are harvested with the use of a fiber optic viewing device. Oh. No, yeah, it's we- a l- <laughs> laparoscope. Okay, you don't so have to read this whole thing. <laughs> basically, they put the sperm and egg together in the fallopian tubes through a catheter. Correct. but And it happens... But, but they're separated by air to prevent fertilization prior to transfer. So the, fer- so the fertilization takes place inside the woman. Which is the point. I so think we covered... kosher... Right. We covered this pretty early on about this is one of the only fertility treatments that the Catholic Church supports because the fertilization happens inside the body and you like there are special condoms you can get to <laughs> like they don't have to do a, a traditional jerk off room situation. They can still have sex, which is the other hang up that they uh, often have. Yes. And it happens, like, all at the same time. So the woman still does stimming and everything. But then it's, like, egg retrieval, eggs, everything happens all in one surgery. And they put them, right, they put them back right away. So she probably does a low stimming. Yeah, right. Right? I don't think they're going for, like, 20 eggs, No. So, but yeah. again, this is like less than 1% of the population of people who do infertility treatments. But it's there. My doctor presented it to me as an option. I was like, what? Really? No, thanks. My doctor would never do this. I can tell you that now. <laughs> yeah, she said you could do it. So, hmm. I mean, if... Listen, like I just said, I've met more than one person now that's like, I don't I don't believe IVF is for me because I don't like because of religious reasons. So it's well, there I mean, you go. It's good to know that it's an option for people. Um 
the so the next one is zift <laughs> zygote intrafallopian transfer so it's basically the exact same thing except they do fertilize the eggs in a petri dish they let them fertilize but then right back into the fallopian tubes so they're just seems kind of silly i know i mean i agree but um so they don't even know the they don't know anything else about the embryo cuz they do it right after it fertilizes they don't wait for a few days like the point is that they're trying to mimic a natural pregnancy quote natural pregnancy as much as possible so mm. but the risk of ectopic pregnancies are a lot higher in both of these procedures ooh they're not scary yeah they're going into the fallopian tubes instead of the uterus i don't know so there's that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it says 24 hours sorry so you you do the laparoscopy 24 hours later you do the same thing i think zift is the worst possible one two surgeries yeah and expensive I bet. <laughs> uh, these have a 25 to 30% success rate in the best case scenario. Yes. In the like best case scenario patient. Right. Uh, and then there's a natural IVF cycle, which is no stims. And this is rarely done because doctors like to control things. Yeah. Well, they also, I think I heard someone say... a fertility doctor like ethically she felt like I cannot put my patient through an unmedicated IVF cycle because you still have to do the surgery and well do you get meds no for the surgery uh like I guess anesthesia? She, I don't know I think you have to at least have twilight or something right <laughs> uh, the success rates of this are extremely low though yeah because they're, they literally are, you're doing IVF for one follicle. And you don't even know, like, anything about just it. <laughs> seeing how it goes. Your odds are just not good. So, that one's not one I would <sighs> recommend. But, those three, actually, I would not recommend. But the next few are more viable options. So... The first one is micro or mini IVF, which I feel like is a little bit more common. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people do it. I mean, not a lot, but I've seen people do it. Right. And the idea is that you're on just very low stems. So, again, this is like a cost-saving option, really, because the stem meds like Folistim and Menopure are very expensive. So if you're on a lower amount of stems, that also usually means less monitoring, which also saves time and money. Um, So they're not like what we've talked about before, going for like 15 or 20 eggs. It's like more like five or six. Um, Again, this option is going to be best for like young people with healthy eggs and some with PCOS because, again, they won't need a lot of stems anyone at risk for OHSS. So if you've done IVF before and you had OHSS, then, you know, a low stem cycle might be a good option for you. So 
And it says that it's done without the uh, egg retrieval is done without anesthesia. Yeah. I know that's a thing. Like, I've seen other people do it, but man, I would want to. Yeah, it's a needle through your vagina into your ovary. I've seen people have it go through their stomach. Through their egg retrieval. Why? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought the whole I've point was like I mean, to I haven't bypass. seen it with my eyes. I don't know. I don't wow. know. Yikes. Yeah. So there are some, st- there's not a lot of data, but there are some statistics on this on low dose or mini IVF cycles. And they do have a lower success rate than traditional IVF, but not a ton. So I just read a randomized control study. Um, and f- so they did a, it was on 564 women aged 39 or younger, and 49% of the mini IVF group conceived and gave birth. 63% of the conventional IVF group conceived and eventually gave birth. So those are pretty good odds. Mm. Yeah. And the savings are significant. And it also said that none of the mini IVF group had OHSS. About 6% of the conventional IVF group did. So, and obviously, they paid a lot less. But 49% is not bad. Success rates. So. No, it's not. Something to look into. standard, really. Right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, The next one is IVM in vitro. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Maturation. Maturation, yeah. Yeah. Available in some places since the 1990s. Have you heard uh, of so, it? So, yeah. I have heard of it. Have you? This was one I hadn't heard of until I started. So, they go in and harvest immature eggs so you don't have to do the stimming process. Mature them in the lab, in the dish, and then uh, see if they develop. Two mature embryos or mature eggs, and then they try to make embryos with the sperm. Yeah, I had never heard of this. It's an yeah. interesting concept, though. I think they do it at uh, CCRM in Colorado. Really? Yeah. I thought it was, I thought they weren't even doing it in the US. But if any place was going to do it, they would. Yeah. That place is cutting edge. Yeah, I kind of looked into it a little bit because it's good for um, PCOS. Mm -hmm. You know, since we have a lot of immature eggs. Yeah. But the idea, too, I guess, is that they're because they're maturing the eggs outside of the body then you the woman a you're not having to pay for it obviously but it's also not having this adverse health of you know side effects on the your overall system yeah i guess is the pros of that yeah but it's still very exper- experimental and much less success maturing them they just haven't they haven't really like perfected it so it's you know i was reading that they that the majority of the research and like the leaps in this technology has been happening in australia so thanks to all our friends down under (laughs) um 
I also said I also read that most of the 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 older way of doing it, like like you said, it's been going on since the nineties, was they were using like traditional hormones to mature the eggs, and now they have a new oh. method where they use like a protein dimer called cum cumulin. <laughs> wow. Right. What yeah, is it? And I don't know, but it supposedly like is a much more effective and healthier way to mature them. It says the old that... IVM did not produce very healthy matured eggs, while the new method produces at least 50% more healthy mature eggs. So oh. the technology is getting better. Which is That's great. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you have you ever seen anyone do IVM? I have not. Me neither. Has anyone done it? Has anyone heard of it? <laughs> I hadn't heard of it. Hmm. And the last one. I'll let you take this one. Oh. <laughs> the last one is called InvoCell. And that's like for sure the most popular choice right now. It's kind of a newer technology. It's it's only been around for a couple of years and just recently um, was approved by the FDA in the United States. So it's like legal. So the the great thing about InvoCell is that the success rates are comparable to traditional IVF. Maybe slightly lower, but generally speaking, it's like 30 to 40%. So Here's how it works. You do low-dose stems, similar to like the mini IVF we were just talking about, and with the same amount of monitoring. It's much less than traditional IVF. And then after the egg retrieval and the sperm sample, they put the egg and sperm in this little incubator called the InvoCell. It's where it gets its name. It's a trademarked name. And then they stick it back up the vagingo <laughs> and let the vagina incubate the sperm and eggs or embryos hoping that they fertilize which is crazy and kind of cool and they leave it up your hoo-ha for five days then you come back in they take it out they look and see what we got and if you have any embryos that have fertilized they transfer them crazy right i mean yeah so the obviously the cost saver here is the lower dose stems and monitoring less monitoring but the big cost saver is you're basically putting the embryologist out of business he's not doing anything not really but he's kind of he or she is the most important part of the ivf process i would say of the traditional process, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So I will, I will say this: my doctor said that this is for people in third world countries. Yeah, which seems a little harsh. It does seem a little harsh. Uh, but okay. See, I kept trying to. F I told you this. Prove myself wrong, like no way the success rates can be that high. I kept seeing it over and over again that it's comparable to traditional IVF. So, having said that though, major disclaimer coming. This is again like has to be for a patient that 
you know, has like minimal fertility issues. So this is not going to work for someone with like severe male factor infertility because that sperm is not going to fertilize those eggs. This is not going to be good uh, for someone with like bad eggs, obviously. There's a lot of... No one has bad eggs. You know what I mean. (laughs) Old eggs. It's the... Two Other mature things acting on their eggs. I know. Too mature, it's too the immature. Oxidation. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like this is going to yeah, be no, I know what you mean. this you're going to have the best outcome with this choice if you're young, have a good ovarian reserve and you don't have uh, male factor infertility. So, who would that be? Like a tube thing maybe a pcos patient that's young it says not good for pcos well i think it it's like again just the risk of overstimming i think it would be a great option for pcos patients assuming their eggs are ripe when they come out yeah but that's the thing they don't know because they don't they don't do the fertilization at all they just like mm-hmm. stick them in this little thing and hope for the best so but it's so it's like considerably cheaper so I mean I don't know I think it could be worth trying I could never do that because we had male factor infertility but if we hadn't this could have been a great option I mean I guess I could I could try it and report <laughs> report back <laughs> just kidding not doing that again yeah I mean you don't I guess they're they I guess another thing that you the patient can control is like if you have the issue with not wanting to have leftover embryos like you can decide I only want you to put five eggs in there in the little invocel like what if they get 15 okay and then, you know, then you have a little bit more control over it. But how do you know which ones are the good eggs? I don't know. It's a gamble. Yeah. But it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, nice. I, I think I still wouldn't do it. It's still like, you know, experimental. But I think it's cool that the technology is advancing because I think we can all agree that traditional IVF is really hard. It's very expensive and it's really hard on your body. So... If I got it for free, I'd do it. Uh, the InvoCell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I don't know how insurance feels about InvoCell. Like I said I earlier... pay for it. <laughs> it's just recently been approved, so... But I don't know if that means insurance because it has not been studied at length. So, because it's still so new. So, I'm not, I would be surprised if insurance companies covered this. So, I mean, all I'm saying is I think it's great that the technology is advancing because it's, I mean, IVF is so hard on the patient and it's so expensive. Yeah. So, if there are ways to mitigate that, then awesome. (laughs) That's all we have on alternatives to traditional IVF. That was like very cerebral for us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're not as good on topics that require lots of knowledge. (laughs) 
Yeah. We can name them off, though. We can name them and give you a few fun facts. And then you can go... People like Brett that does her homework. She... (laughs) can find out all there is to know. Yeah, and then she'll come back and correct us. And correct and us. We'll, it's great. We'll give you the right information. I love that we have so many fact checkers in the mafia. Yeah, or Mandy will tell us. I don't think we've made it through one episode when someone wasn't like, um, you got this wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But we're okay true. with that. We're okay with being wrong sometimes. So take that with a grain of salt, listener. Always fact check <laughs> We could okay. be right. We could be wrong. That's right. It keeps you on your toes. It makes you do your own research <laughs> if you're not ever sure if we're right. <laughs> okay. Out of the box. Out, Out of the box. The box. Okay. So. Today. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, no. Uh. We got a question from Instagram. Yes. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, you want to go first? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> Mine's I, embarrassing. Okay. I, I wanted to be a singer, which is not really something... <laughs> It's easy to be when you grow up, unless you're like really good. <laughs> and then I wanted to be a videographer. Hey, which I, I mean, kind of did. Guys, she realized her dream. Yeah. You. I like videos better than singing in front of people. <laughs> you envisioned it and made it happen. Yeah. My dream was not realized. Um. <laughs> so I know everyone's like knowing what you know of me what would be like the exact opposite of what you think I <laughs> should do with my life a construction worker <laughs> um no think a little higher dream bigger dream of Reach for president. the stars. Reach for the stars. That's a hint. The the president. Oh, an astronaut. Yes. That's pretty cool. I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> That's so cool. Did you ever go to NASA? Of course. I joined <gasps> I joined the science club in the seventh grade just because they took a field trip to the space center. <laughs> You were pretty close to it, though, weren't you? Yeah, because I grew up in Houston. Where is it? Is it in Houston? Yeah, it's in Houston. Okay. Yeah. Houston, we have a problem. Exactly. It's still there. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. I attribute the completely irrational desire to be an astronaut to the 1990s film Space Center. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I've never heard of that. Um, it has a lot of popular people in it. You've got Leah Thompson, Tate Donovan, Joaquin Phoenix, Space Camp, Space Camp. That's what it's called. Space Camp. I saw these people in this movie and I was like, that looks like a cool job. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen that movie. And then I realized how smart you have to be to be an astronaut and realized it was never going to happen. <laughs> you can do it. No, I was like, look, I would love to be an astronaut, but here's the thing. I suck at math and science. Oh, well, then you can't do so. it. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So so I just Googled space camp mm-hmm. and two movies came up. Oh, space camp and then meet the beavers or no. Camp Beaverton. Meet the Beavers. What is this? That's not the one. This is porn. (laughs) There's a... Oh, it's a documentary. Okay. It's a real camp, I guess. Oh. But uh, the only queer, all-women, trans-inclusive, sex-positive camp set within Burning Man. Oh. Okay. Burning Man. Burning Man's coming up, right? I have no idea it's i think it's in august <laughs> oof seems very hot it looks very hot i've been invited to burning man more than what? once i turned it down <laughs> who invited you to burning man oh that's a long story <laughs> that's a long story i can't i can't reveal that information on this podcast all right i don't know how we got on that oh The movies. Space camp. Anyway. Space camp. So I wanted to be an astronaut, and I ended up being a musician instead. (laughs) I thought you were going to say you wanted to be a singer. Uh, No, not when I was... I mean, this is going back to, like, when I was a kid. Like, I think I was... There's a video of me in the fourth grade saying, like, I'm going to be an astronaut when I grow up. Yeah. That's so cute. I'm sure my dad, who's a scientist, was so proud. And then he was like, hey, oh, was. crap, she sucks at math and science. He's like, how do I tell her she can't? Right. How this? am I going to break this to her in the easiest possible way? Yeah. So there's minimal oh. tears. He was, oh. the, he was the chaperone on our field trip to the, to the space center when I was in the science club in the seventh grade. And it was the best Aww. time. I had so much fun with my dad. It's a good memory. That's so sweet. That's just so sweet. <laughs> I wonder if being in the science club is what sparked my interest in really nerdy guys. Because I was always attracted to the nerds. I think it's just because they're smart. It is because you know, they're smart. No I, stuff. I find that super hot. I find your, your, I find a... Strong brain, much hotter than a strong body. Yeah. Yeah. Same. (laughs) I was like, when I found out Peter was in engineering school, I was like, jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I actually actually thought he was a construction worker. Oh, yeah. And then later on, I found out he was in engineering school. And you were like, oh, that's hot. I was like, yes. (laughs) I can relate. He's smart. I can relate. The first question in college is like, what's your major? And then I'll decide. I'll weed you out. Left or right. Swipe left, swipe right. What's your well, major? Well, all he talked about was working construction and how he listened to this radio morning show. And I was like, I don't live here. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess you work construction. Not sure why you live in Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> you know, like I thought all these were college kids. Right. But yeah, he worked construction. Peter's good at building things and smart people things. So. <laughs> He's good with his brain and his hands. We talked yeah. about how he gets the job done in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. He won't let me near his power tools. Mm. Probably for the best. I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah. Do you th- I'm not going to hurt myself. I feel like pregnant women and power tools don't mix. Well, I mean, even not pregnant. I think I'd be okay. <laughs> just women and power tools? Oh, we are no. getting into some stereotypes. <laughs> no, just me. Gotcha. Not women. Yeah. He thinks I'm going to cut my finger off or get hit by a flying piece of wood. Sure. I don't think I would trust myself with very many power tools. Like, I could do an electric screwdriver. (laughs) Yeah. That's maybe where my power tool wielding should end. (laughs) You know, maybe he's right, because (laughs) I had a wood-burning tool. I have a wood-burning tool. And I let it heat up, and then I grabbed it right by the tip. Oh. On the wood burning part. Oh. Like an idiot. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to pick it up like a pen. Whoops. And then I realized I just burnt the crap out of my fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe he's right. I'm sure. I'm sure he is. I'm sure you're like me that you've had many, many injuries with glue guns as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and <laughs> just stepping on scissors. Oh, yeah. Now I make sure not to let scissors be on the ground. Sure. We should always see things through the eyes of baby proofing, and then we might baby proof ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, power tools, not for us. Nope. Crafting tools, also maybe not for us. <laughs> I'm still going to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Worth it. Worth all the injury. Yes. (laughs) But I guess that's all for out of the box. I just figured you would want to be a singer. No, that didn't come till much later. But yeah. Wow. I think um, talking about our preferences in men might be another good subject someday. Because I need to dig in further with that topic. Yeah. With yourself or with Yeah, and you. I just feel like our out-of-the-box is often some kind of therapy session that dives into who we really are. Oh, wait, also musicians. True. But I just want to, like, sleep with the musician. I don't want to marry them. (laughs) I actually made Peter like me because I played an E chord on the guitar. Oh. Without having to look, you know, Uh at my fingers. Does he play? Yeah, he plays guitar. Oh, okay. And we were playing, like, he was playing the night we met, and I said, I can play guitar. And he's like, I don't think you can. And I was like, watch this. I know one chord, and I'm just going to arpeggio over and over on something. (laughs) He's like, play something. I'm like, well, now I don't want to, because you think I don't, I can't. Mm. And then he, he handed me the guitar. I'm like, fine, I'll play one chord. <laughs> the, the only one I know, but you don't know that. <laughs> I knew other chords. I know. So I did the E. Uh-huh. 
And he was like, he was really drunk. <laughs> but he was like, you can play. That's and I was so like, yeah, awful. why would I say I can play when I can't play? Then he was and he like, said, I'm in love. Yeah. And then he was, he was hooked. But I guess people say they can play when they can't play. Have you come across that? Uh, Yeah. Especially guys, which if you're also a musician, you can see through the bullshit. But yeah, I mean, I feel like every 12 year old boy like picks up a guitar at some point. It's a great way to smoke on the water. Yeah. You learn one song and then you take your (laughs) guitar to your youth group, you know, camping trip. And then all the girls love you because you can play three chords and they think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was in the corner going, "Um, you keep playing the same three chords over and over again. I'm not impressed. Well, it's even worse when they're like, I can play guitar and then they're searching for the chords. They're like, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. No, No, really. I can play. That's not being able to play guitar. Mm. So that's what I expect when people like I expect people to be able to play when they say they can play piano. Same thing. Because you can so fake your way through piano, too. Piano and guitar are so easy to fake. Just learn, like, two songs. That's right. Like, I expect people to be proficient in playing chords. Right. (laughs) On both. If you say you can play, you better be able to sight read. Right. What we're saying to you guys is if you've ever thought to yourself, I want to learn, I wish I could play guitar, I wish I could play piano, we're saying it's really easy to trick people into thinking that you can. (laughs) Anyone can learn three chords on either of those instruments, and then now you you too can say, I play piano, and most people won't know you're lying. So there's that. We will know. (laughs) We'll know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's and that's that's it for our episode. That's out of the box. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. <laughs> uh, join our closed Facebook groups. Once again, the Infertile Mafia and the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com about anything in the world you want. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear a lot of talk about eggs and balls and stuff and tips on how to fake your way through piano and guitar. (laughs) In our next episode, we're talking about questions to ask your reproductive and chronologist, better known as an RE, your significant other and yourself before doing IVF. Yeah, we got some good feedback from the mafia. Yeah, and I accidentally made a double post after Kayla had already posted, so... (laughs) It's all right. I deleted it. It's all good. (laughs) It's all good. Okay, everyone. Thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye.